Good morning. It's great to be with you this morning, to worship with you, to praise Jesus with you. I've been praying for you this week. Have you been doing okay? You taking care of yourself? Are you praying? Are you spending time with Jesus? Are you spending time with the Lord? Are you fasting? I know some of you are able to fast. Have you been focusing and using this time that we have to grow in our faith? Are you diving deep into God's Word? Are we praying? Things like that. I hope you've been using this time to grow. Uh, I've been praying for you quite a bit this week, and as I was praying, I had a plan kind of uh, on what to preach on, but we've been in this uh, series that we're calling Hope for the Journey, and as I was praying through the series and thinking through, I felt like the Lord was kind of steering me in a different direction this Sunday, and as I was feeling kind of discouragement, I felt like the Lord was saying, just encourage your congregation this Sunday. Read some scripture to encourage them. Some of them are going through some pretty heavy things and just encourage them right where they're at. And so I kept going to different scripture about encouragement this week. I kept reading different Psalms, different verses about encouragement and trusting the Lord. And I really landed on one that I like a whole lot, Psalm 62 this morning. And it's a Psalm by King David of when he's going through some very tough times. And it was an encouragement to me and I'm praying that it's also going to be an encouragement to you. So David in this Psalm 62, it starts out this way. He says, I wait quietly before God for my victory comes from him. There's something about that idea of waiting quietly before God, that he's the one with the answers. He's the one with the abilities. He's the one that can take care of us. He's the one that our victory comes through. And that's what David is pointing to. He's pointing to the God of Israel. He's the one who can take care of him, who brings the victory. And he goes a step farther. He says, he alone is my rock, my salvation, my fortress, where I will never be shaken. I love that imagery, that it goes beyond just the fact that he's the victory, but he's the rock. He's the salvation. And the question I kind of think that it begs is, what are you trusting in? What are you at home waiting on? Who are you putting your faith in? And sometimes it can be things that are kind of okay, so King David, when people are trying to kill him, he can trust in his own physical abilities, his own abilities to fight, his abilities with the sling in his later life, his abilities with the sword, and he's fought in battles. He has things he can trust in, but he waits quietly on the Lord because it's the Lord that's his rock and his salvation, his fortress. We've been going through a bunch of storms in our area, lots of rain and flooding, and we've seen flooding, for example, in Michigan. We're seeing storms actually hit in Asia and Bangladesh and India and Burma and those areas, and it's going to be devastating for them. But I think of a rock that can hold up to those storms. I think of a fortress that can take anything. God is his fortress. And so what are you trusting in? Are you trusting in your job? Are you trusting in your own abilities to outthink and outsmart? Are you thinking in uh, the world? Are you putting your trust in whichever political party you follow and hope that they're going to do the things for you you've been hoping in? Or is your rock and salvation the God of Israel that David is trusting in? He trusts in the Lord. He knows that the Lord will be solid and 
his foundation. And verse 3, and I think many of us can resonate with this passage. He says, so many enemies against one man, all of them trying to kill me. And what an what a apt passage for the situation where many of us are living. We have a virus that's out there, and it's nerve-wracking a little bit. And it's scary, especially for people with pre-existing conditions or people who are older. It's an enemy that's around us that's trying to kill us. But even in addition to that, as I've been praying for many of you these weeks and prayer requests have been coming in, I feel like loved ones and people I care about, there's more and more people that I know personally and love with cancer, family members, friends, and you have this part of your body that you are fighting, that it's trying to get you, and it's devastating, and I hate cancer. And we have this enemy that's trying to take people I love away, that's trying to hurt people I love. And so I'm reading this passage and I'm in this place of thinking about people I love, thinking about uh, the situation that we're in, in terms of viruses, in terms of the world, and just so much around us, and people on edge and anxiety, and people dealing with depression around us. And it feels sometimes like these enemies of humanity are closing in. To them, I'm just a broken down wall or a tottering fence, David says. I should say David sings. Can you imagine singing this song on a Sunday morning? So many enemies against one man, all of them trying to kill me. And to them, I'm just a broken down or tottering fence. Enemies all around. They plan to topple me from my high position. They delight in telling lies about me. They praise me to my face, but curse me in their hearts. David is speaking about a specific situation that he's in, but it's one that we can identify with even in the situations that we are in, even in the struggles that we may be in right now. Who are you putting your trust in? Who is your fortress? Who are you trusting? Maybe it's your friends. Friends are great. I'm not saying don't have any trust in friends. Maybe it's your job. You love your job. Your identity's in your work. It means so much to you and people take care of you and you get paid well and you have great benefits, but maybe one day you won't have that job. Maybe it's your health. You've worked hard your whole life to stay healthy, to, to eat right, to train, to work out. But then maybe one day something happens, disease or viruses or older age or whatever it might be. What are you putting your trust in and what is your fortress? And as we have enemies around that are trying to take us down, they curse us, right? They curse me in their hearts, but they tell lies about me. They praise me to my face. We can identify with this song that David is singing. It's poetic and it's profound. Something that I like that happens in verse 5, and this is something we talk about fairly often at the tabernacle, and that's the humanity of the people in Scripture. 
Sometimes when we read scripture, we see heroes of the Bible. We see Elisha and Elijah, and we see Moses, and we see Joseph, Abraham, Peter, Paul, right? We see these heroes of the faith, and we think, of course, they're heroes of the faith, but I could never be like them. But thankfully, the Bible is honest in the way that it writes. These are not fictional characters that are made up. These are not superheroes from comic books. They're real people that did great things for God because they tried to follow God and live up to that. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, they did amazing things. Even Jesus himself, it says that the same spirit that indwelled Jesus and rose him from the dead lives in us. Jesus told his followers, you're going to do greater things than I have. It's an amazing thought. And so what I love in scripture, and sometimes we can kind of, some folks like to throw out heroes from scripture because we get to see their faults and their problems. A lot of our heroes, we see their sins. David himself that we're reading about, we see his sins of adultery with Bathsheba and then murdering Uriah. We see his sins and his struggles. And I, for one, am grateful. And I feel like we get a little glimpse of that here in verse 5. So in verse 1, right, he said, I wait quietly before the Lord, right, for my victory comes from him. It's a statement. It feels extremely holy, right? And I know sometimes I can read these things and I'm like, that seems really holy. Good for you, David. You're King David. Of course you can. You're the one who killed Goliath. You're the one after the Lord's own heart. You're the one who did so much for the kingdom, arguably uh, outside of Christ, the greatest king of Israel, right? So easy for him to say, but what I love is the humanity here because I feel like in verse 5, we get a glimpse of this. So he's saying in verse 1, I wait quietly before the Lord for my victory comes from him. And then he says, let all that I am wait quietly before God. And the way that I read that and a lot of other um, commentaries that I was reading through this week read this is that it's almost a prayer within his song of crying out to God for help, of saying like, I'm going to wait before the Lord. And then he's almost crying out and saying, let all that I am wait quietly before the Lord. Almost like a request for help. Like it feels reminiscent of the centurion that was with Jesus when Jesus said, do you have faith? Do you believe? And he says, I believe, help my unbelief. Right? So I feel like it's this humanity of David showing us trust in Jesus. He's not saying Jesus is saying the God of Israel. We understand the connection in the larger picture, right? But trust in the God of Israel. He's your fortress. And then he says, let all that I am almost help me. I believe, help my unbelief. I'm trusting in God. Help me trust in God. And how encouraging is that for us? In these moments where some of us might be hitting the end, where anxiety is high, when we're snapping a little bit more on loved ones, when we're not sure what's going to happen, to read about King David, our hero, say, let all that I am wait quietly before God. I love it. And then he goes back to kind of reiterate, he alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress where I will not be shaken. My victory and honor come from God alone. He is my refuge, a rock 
where no enemy can reach me. Isn't that amazing? Oh, my people, trust in him at all times. Pour out your heart to him, for God is our refuge. God is good. He is powerful. He is strong. He is our fortress and the one we can trust in. Who are you putting your trust in? Who are you putting your faith in? What's fascinating is in moments like we're in now in time that are like history-defining moments, culture-shaping moments. And I think about these things often. I think about uh, the school situation my children in it are in and society and things. And this is going to be another great moment in terms of history that's going to shape and reshape where we had as a society and culture. And my kids will be forever changed and defined by this moment that we're in. And I think sometimes when we're in moments of struggle, our reaction can often be, I know we're supposed to trust in God, but God, where are you? God, have you forsaken us? Have you forgotten us? We're down here singing your praises. We're down here saying we trust in you and we believe in you. Have you forgotten about us? And I'm grateful for scripture that really speaks directly to that. So we're in moments like this, and we're asking those questions maybe personally of God, where are you? He actually responds a little bit. We're told and explained things that are happening, and it's helpful. So, for example, Paul writes to uh, the church in Rome, Romans 8, 35 to 39, and he's writing to a church He's writing to a church when persecution is happening. The Roman government is not Christian. They don't like Christians. Christians are being killed. They're being persecuted. Even Jewish people believe it's this uh, cult that's spinning off of Judaism. They're not loved and appreciated, okay? And it's a hard time to follow Christ. And so in verse 35 of chapter 8, Paul writes, Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? I know that this is a, spe a specific context in which Paul is talking about church persecution, but I think for many of us, we can get in these situations where we're wrestling with cancer. We have clinical depression and we're wrestling through it and we don't know how to break through from it. Or we're scared about COVID-19 or we know people who have been hurt by it or sick and we're wrestling and praying and we want to do the right things and we're nervous and we're like, does it mean that you no longer love us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or if we're scared or if we're depressed or if we're sick or we're worried about society and the things around us or we feel like politics are exploding, whatever side you're on, or we're worried about natural disasters or we're worried about what's going to happen in the world. It's like, God, does it mean you no longer love us? We're here. Do you see us? Paul says, as the scriptures say, for your sake we are killed every day. We are being slaughtered like sheep. Can you imagine? 
God, do you see us? But he says this. This is his response to that question. No. Despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. No, he says. He says, I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow. Let me read that last one for you again. Nothing can separate us from God's love, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing. There is nothing that can separate you from the love of God. Nothing. We can have these moments of despair, these moments of desperation. God, where are you? And Paul is telling us he has not forsaken us. He still loves us. And despite of all of it, nothing can ultimately separate us from God. And so something that's interesting, I was helping my son Andrew this week finish up one of his finals for class, and they had to read through this passage of scripture from uh, the book of 2 Peter. Uh, and he had to point out a couple of verses that stood out to him, and this is one of the verses, and it was such a profound verse. It's a verse I've read many times. I've read on Sunday mornings, and I love it, but it was just so encouraging to me this week and my own faith that I wanted to share it with you. We asked these questions of, God, where are you? Last week, right, we were talking through the Lord's Prayer. We talked about that passage, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, right? We want God's kingdom to come now. His kingdom is so great, there's no suffering in his kingdom. There's no injustice in his kingdom. There's no there's no bad health, there's no sadness, there's no suffering. We want his kingdom here on earth. And I think part of the frustration could be like, Jesus, can we hurry this up? Jesus, let's go. And what's wild is the followers of Jesus, right? The apostles and that group of people right after Jesus left, they thought Jesus was going to be back right away. And they were getting frustrated and they were getting upset and being like, where is Jesus? All of this persecution is happening. It's no, if he could just come back, it would be so great. And I feel like we're in that place right now with weather things happening the way they are, with people struggling the way they are, with uh, suffering and worry and fear and anxiety and struggles the way that they are and work and economy and all the things that are happening right now in the world. We're like, Jesus, can we hurry it up? Have you forgotten about us down here on earth? Don't forget about us. But Peter tells us in 2 Peter 3, 9, and he says this very clearly, and it was so encouraging. The Lord isn't really being slow about his promise. He's talking about his promise to return. As some people think, no, he is being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, 
but wants everyone to repent. He wants everyone to change their mind about him. He wants everyone to be saved. He doesn't want anyone to perish. So although we're like, Jesus, what are you doing taking your time? Can you speed this up already? He's actually not taking his time. He's actually wise in waiting and compassionate in waiting because it gives you, it gives me an opportunity to share the hope that we have in Jesus. Because he's waited longer, more people are able to repent and follow him. More people are to, able to know the grace of Jesus Christ himself. Are you sharing that hope with your neighbor? Are you sharing your hope, your story, the things that you've been through, and the fact that you put your trust and belief in Jesus Christ, right? He's our fortress and stronghold. As our neighbors are panicking, as society is panicking, what an opportunity to show the hope that we have in Jesus Christ and the fact that our fortress and our stronghold is Jesus himself. He's not slow to return. He's compassionate to return the way he is and loving to return that the way he is. Paul tells us in Romans 10, 9 to 10, and we talk about this often because this is our hope. He says, if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Our hope is in Jesus. Do you believe in him? Do you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead? Have you declared, Jesus, you are Lord. I will follow you. I will trust in you. You are the one I trust in to save me. If you've done that, you're saved. Paul goes on and he says, For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God, and it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. We have a hope. He loves us. He has not forsaken us. In John chapter 3, verse 16, arguably the most famous passage in all of the Bible, Jesus tells us, he tells us this, he says, For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only Son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. Have you put your trust in Jesus? If you haven't, trust in him today. Say, Jesus, I believe in you. I trust in you. Save me. If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. If you've done that today, put it on the app. Get the Tabernacle app. Let us know. You can contact us, prayer requests, whatever. Let us know so we can pray with you and for you as you step on this new journey. Put your faith in Jesus. And if you've already trusted in Christ, if you've already trusted in Jesus, let us not forget he's still the hope that we cling to. That he's not forgotten us. He still loves us. And no matter what happens, no matter if it gets crazy worse or crazy better, he's still the hope that we cling to. He has not forsaken us and he loves us immensely. Are you encouraged? Be encouraged this Sunday. Jesus loves you. Do what 
Do what David did. He said, I wait quietly before God and my victory comes from him. Who are you waiting quietly before? Who are you waiting quietly before? Wait quietly before God for our victory comes from him. Let me pray for you. Jesus, thank you for everyone that's here, that's been able to connect through this stream, through whatever devices that they have. I pray that your Holy Spirit would bring encouragement this day. Lord, may they know your presence and your peace. May you be the one that we wait on, but as we wait, may you meet with us. Lord, empower us, direct us, change our lives. Jesus, we say humbly, especially in these moments, that we need you. We need your strength. We need your mercy. We need your wisdom. We need your kindness. Lord, don't forget about us down here, and we know you haven't. We love you, and we trust in you. And Lord, this Sunday, I pray for anyone that may have put their faith in you today. Lord, encourage them. I pray that you would fill them with your spirit. Even right now, where they're sitting, I pray that you would fill them with your spirit. May they know the actual, real, and living God today. And I pray that you would encourage them to reach out and let us know. Jesus, be with us. Be with us as individuals. Be with our families. Be in our community. And be with us as a church. We love you so much. You are good. You are good, God. We pray this in your holy name. Amen.